Hi. Hi, how are you? Let's get this party started. I see. So if we want to have our sparkle wear first, you have your spark shirt on from the concert. Yes. I don't know if that counts as sparkle wear. I do have my heart necklace from Taddy Divine, which is sparkles. I don't know if you can really see it. Here, get a nice view of my chin. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's actually premium content, everybody. So (laughs) you can see more of my chin on my OnlyFans. No, just kidding. Kidding. Um, But that's my um, sparks and sparkles for today. Well, and of course this. Uh, What do you have? I don't have too much in the way sparkles, though. I did uh, decide to go into my jewelry box and because I you know I I haven't sung in a long time seriously but when I was singing my mom was always like oh you should get this or you should get that big big ass ring <laughs> so big ass a, rings really suit you I have to say I, they, think I don't they do. wear yeah I don't wear a lot of jewelry I don't really wear earrings or every once in a while I wear necklaces but um yeah every once in a while a chunky statement ring so this is an amethyst that I think she got in I don't remember where Korea, maybe I remember anyway. Very cool. Thank you. So that's my, my sparkle. And I'm wearing my cowl necked shirt. I like, and you're, you know, as I get older, I, I, I find that I might be, you know, red probably will always be my favorite color, but purple is, is a strong contender. So I like (laughs) it. Yeah. Yeah. How about your sparkles for today? Oh, um, I have Okay. So I went to this place called wine expo in Santa Monica, they, not only do they have a lot of wine, but they also have like a secret back room where you can have like little snacks and and drinks. I've only been there once. Uh, It was really fun. But uh, yesterday I thought, hey, let's go to Wine Expo and see what I can find. So I have Victorine de Chassonnet, Clément de Bourgogne. Ooh, it's a Burgundy's. It's it's a burgundies and it's it's a blue rosé. So, um Cremant, you know, that's that's like a champagne but it's not coming from uh the champagne region. It's so, just but, it's coming from the neighboring region of Bourgogne or Bur- Burgundy. Bourgogne, Bourgogne, Bourgogne. So, I I'm yes, well, I guess so. Yes. I don't quite remember from my French um class Star- when I was in high Starry school. Sorry France. <laughs> Sorry, France. Um, désolé, la France. Um, the uh, les écouteurs françaises qui connaît la région de Bourgogne, uh, s'il vous plaît, écris-nous et correctez-nous. <laughs> so, pardon pour mon mauvais français. Ça veut dire, if you are a, a French listener, please write us and correct us. <laughs> and tell us everything we've done wrong so far. Yes. Actually, yeah. you know, since you are speaking French before I talk about my sparkles, um, the Mayel brothers. Uh, so I know, so the, the, their last name is spelled M-A-E-L. Yes. And I hear it pronounced frequently as male. Well, they pronounce it as male. So do well, keep that in mind. Yeah. yeah and then, yeah. So, um, and I always say Mael. And the reason why is because I work with a guy from France and he, he's wonderful, uh, but his first name is Mael. And so, and it's spelled exactly ah. the same way. And that's how he says it. Like, hello, it's Mael. Ah. So I, I, you know, Mael. if anyone's wondering why, why is she saying it that way? I'm, I'm doing it the French way, I guess. You're very I European today, which I feel like <laughs> is appropriate for talking about this album. That's until you see my sparkles. Oh. So okay. I can't. So oh, okay. I did not go to basically I plumbed the Bowling, depths. It's like Stoli Boli, but different. Bolagini. Yeah, Bolagini. I plumbed the depths of our basement refrigerator because <laughs> I was really busy and I was like I know I have something sparkling down there um so I found this I have never tried it I think I got it at Target maybe again it's like a little four pack on the go but I will say what's kind of cute is they've got on their um packaging this I don't know if I can hold it still but it's like For your bubbly moments beach sailing cuddling <laughs> Oh, no, I think that's cooking. I think that's yeah, grilling, grilling. grilling. Cuddle, although I would say cuddling, definitely. You can have <laughs> some sparkles and I know, cuddling. Like, I was thinking like, I don't really do any of those things. <laughs> <laughs> what, the beach? 
totally take this to the beach. I mean, not everyone (laughs) lives in Monica. I mean, I can go down to Lake Michigan. Actually, you know, the can, can, cannabis infused drinks. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. When I bought those for the first time at um, a local weed dispensary here in the local area, the guy who sold them to me actually said they were perfect for the beach. And I thought, "Hmm." pro tip, putting it in my back pocket. Great. So let's crack. I'm going to crack mine open there was a 30 okay. rock bit where uh i think jenna maroney's like mining <laughs> opening i can but she's doing it with a funny like clink i will do it the american way i am hoping that this will open easier more easily than the mum napas it's it's going to it's gonna just everything is going my way yes there we go Hooray, hooray. Cheers. Oh, we both have pink today. Yes. Le rose pour la vie en rose. All right, hold on. Mm. It says it's imported from Italy. It does taste sweet like a Prosecco. I mean, not like sugary sweet, like a Moscato or that type of thing, but that, you know, speaking of Prosecco, I got, I got a Cheers. little tipsy. Sante. Cheers. Boing. I got a little tipsy on our previous episode. It is called Sparks and Sparkles. I think that's a a hazard. (laughs) It's worth it. Um, But I was thinking afterwards, like, yeah, Prosecco is, it's not like as sugary sweet, but the, like on the back of my tongue, it has like that soft, sweet remaining, whatever. Yeah, no, I agree. There is a, it's hard to get a Prosecco. Like, like you can just, you can just tell the difference. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I, I remember when I lived in Abu Dhabi, so Abu Dhabi has a lot of, and actually the UAE surprisingly has a lot of really booze fueled brunches. Oh, you talked and, about the champagne brunches. Yes. And so like you can pay about a hundred dollars and have like unlimited, you have your brunch, you have unlimited drinks of some type. And sometimes like you can have for a cheaper version, you can get unlimited Prosecco or you can have unlimited champagne. And I was at a brunch that I actually, I gotta say, I kind of miss this brunch. Like it was just really fun. This particular brunch also had a gin station where you could get- That sounds a little dangerous. Oh, it was dangerous. I I mean, and actually like the brunches usually start around noon and then at about four they end and like inevitably they will open up a little bar or club right next to the restaurant. At this point, you make the choice. I'm going home or I'm staying out for another four to six hours. I'm just going to say I never went home. Never. <laughs> I never made the decision to go home. Um, but, uh, what was I going to say? In one of these brunches, I had really you know, put away a number of Proseccos. And somehow at the end of the, the brunch, I managed to snag a glass of Piper Heidesack. And I got to tell you, even after three hours of drinking Prosecco, oh, I could tell the difference immediately. <laughs> um, but this, I'm going to say this Clement was very nice. It's very light, drinkable. doesn't have a bad aftertaste at all. It's lovely, in fact. So Great. Oh, that's so cool. I've never heard of it. I will keep my eye out for it. Me neither. I just... If I ever leave my house. Right now, I'm just drinking everything in the house. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I really have no excuse not to go buy wine <laughs> other than laziness. Well, you're going to have to, because, you know, the show is called Sparks and Sparkles and we will be recording again. So um, you're going to have to, I've, I've started to collect my corks from the oh, show. Fun. So I don't know what we'll do with them. Maybe we'll auction them off to our big fans. I'm like, I'm clearly getting ahead of myself, but well, you know, that is you never know. you're always very, you, you know, you're, you have big vision and that's, that's big something dreams. I really enjoy about you. Big dreams. Um, well, speaking of big dreams and big moments, we are here to talk about some more of Kimono My House. We talked about, um, my God, I, I almost said, take this town and shove it. That's take not this the right. town and shove it. <laughs> it ain't big enough for us to. Do you ever see that movie? like the 1980 movie take this job and shove it i feel like i have but i don't remember i remember the song more than it's very 80s it's very it's very of that like weird 
80s early 80s country moment and and union and like early and 80s unions right like wasn't it yes like kind of like norma ray mm -hmm. and all that stuff yeah anyway <laughs> we digress so one of the things i did want to very lightly touch upon before we move on to amateur hour is the video and uh i'm sure we're i'm sure we're gonna Are we talk about the amateur our video oh, or this oh, town this town video okay sure we're gonna do plenty of talking about it but the reason why i wanted to bring it up was because it's such a theatrical moment and i had you know i see this whole play behind it and one of the things i really love about the video it just the i mean we'll just talk about the very beginning is i've been listening to a lot of like jazz age murder mysteries like a lot of Agatha Christie and Dorothy Sayer and then like just modern versions of like cozy murder mysteries in the 1920s in an English manor house. You can really and, tell we're ladies of a certain age, by the way. I mean, I don't listen to those at all, but it's definitely the right demographic. Plus it's like all audio audiobooks. <laughs> I, just, I just, I consume audiobooks constantly. And um, so what it just really tickles me the, the the setting of the song and the, the beginning of the video has you know first it cuts to like um you know a gentleman's fingers sort of drumming impatiently on a counter and then it pans out and you see a very dapper looking you know man in a tuxedo and it's Ron Mel and uh you know he's waiting for what you think is a woman to descend some stairs and then you see first the white pantsuit that you know is very reminiscent of the 20s and like in the tw in the 20s like the silk pajamas to that you would wear actually out as clothing were kind of became a big risque thing and so you see these beautiful white pants and you see like the side of <laughs> you see the side of a head with some some lovely you know shoulder length curly flowing hair. locks and then turn to the camera and it is russell mail and cutie just, pie russell mail i love it it makes me smile so you much you know just what i haven't watched it. that video i am so watching it tonight like i have not watched it but oh, i love like the whole idea like here comes the main event it's the teen idol you've been waiting for russell mail See, not even oh, me. Like, I, to me, it seems like it's like a, supposed to be a woman walking down. Like, I'm waiting for this. You know, I'm a 1920s dapper Dan, and I'm waiting for, uh, you know, lady so and so of such and such, and, and it's I just it's it's wonderful. So I'm sure we're going to be talking more about that separately. But I just wanted to to talk about that before we moved on to. There's some publicity shoot that they did around that time and i don't know if it was for um kimono or if it was for um propaganda or indiscreet but it's a great picture of them i think they're by like a rolls royce and i gotta say ron has these trousers that are just like I am like, these guys really think about their look. And clearly, like, he was thinking, it, his hair, look, he looks quite fine, is what I'm going to say. But, <laughs> but those trousers, they really look like um, sort of like 1940s, just very classic. Yeah, when they got their band together for Kimono My House, they did say in their ad, must look great. Like, they were clearly thinking about all that. So, and I'm sure, who knows the story behind the video? I don't at this time, but sure we'll they played a big role in that. We'll get there. Cool. All right. So now we are on to what I think you have said a few times is, uh, if not the favorite, one of your favorite songs of this album, Amateur Hour. I really, it, it, it's, it is one of my favorites. It's not my top um, song from Kimono My House, um, but it is up there. I just, um, I do love, love, love it. You know, they played it at the concerts in Los Angeles and I felt like it sounded as fresh today as it, as it does on the album. I mean, that is a testament both to the energy of Ron and Russell as well as their band. Yeah. Um, personally, I definitely do like it better than this town. You know, this town is great, but to me, as I said on the last, um, in part one, this town ain't big enough for the both of us. For me, it's like a really heavy, expensive dress. It's beautiful. It's perfect, but you're only going to wear it for a special occasion. And that's how I feel. Like, it's kind of hard to wear around town. The other thing I like about this song is, like, the guitars 
I, I love the kind of guitar flair, particularly the fade out of of the end of that. I feel like you can rock out to it in a way that you just cannot for this town. And also speaking of videos, of course, if you want a bit of Sparks Mania, this is the one you can seek out and watch young teenage girls throwing themselves oh, yeah. at and Russell while they try and play. And I I do love, I do love Russell's warning. We want everyone to be a little safer in the hall, okay? Like it had to be pretty stressful. Like simultaneously, oh great, girls are throwing themselves at me, but also um like you want to actually get through your song. Um interestingly, have you seen this video? I'm sure you have. Of the of amateur hour yes, live, I've seen that live perform. Yeah, and because okay. it was in the it was in the, they they had a little clip of it in the documentary, and then separately I I've watched it. Okay, yeah. so the guy who is their roadie who's pulling the girls off, um, Ron and Russell, actually his name is um, Richard Coble, and he went on to do, like he he became kind of a big muckety muck tour manager in the music business he's still doing stuff today he's he's run tours for madonna he's run tours for j-lo he's um done tours for lord and sparks connection he's run a tour for morrissey uh which the reason i say that is of course sparks have their song lighten up morrissey and Morrissey famously wrote a letter to the NME, that's the New Musical Express in London. It's still going, or in the UK, it's still going. It's big music mag um, about um, how the how Kimono My House was a great album. I actually have the letter, uh, if you would like me to read it. Uh, read, let's, let's, get, let's, we're going to get into it. Yeah, let's get into it. 14 yeah. June, 14 June, 1974 in the NME. Letter from Stephen Patrick Morrissey praising the latest album by Sparks titled Kimono My House. Today, I bought the album of the year. I feel I can say this without expecting several letters saying I'm talking rubbish. The album is Kimono My House by Sparks. I bought it on the strength of the single. Every track is brilliant, though I must name Equator, Complaints, Amateur Hour, and Here in Heaven as the best tracks and in that order. I, I'm i not sure I totally agree on the order. I agree with most of these best tracks. And I will say, I think there's some really, um, some classic Morrissey type lyrics in uh in kimono my house for sure for sure which we <laughs> will get into i like to say that like the picture of bill clinton shaking jfk's hand at boy state morrissey's love of sparks was a bit prophetic uh but i don't know if you know this now oh apparently morrissey used to write faxes to them he used to send them faxes like all the way into the 2000s i don't know how far deep but now that Morrissey has expressed some views that we don't all agree with. They've had a bit of a falling out because the Sparks lads said they were disappointed in Morrissey. And then Morrissey said something like, well, I was the only one who supported them when nobody else did or some, some similar sort of diva yeah, well, uh, statement. Um, I mean, look, hyperbolic, Morrissey that's one of the reasons we love him well he is definitely your favorite problematic this would be a great time for me to tell my story about being in a pub with Morrissey Do it. So, where was this again when was this this was at the oddly pub in Mayfair in London in the mid 00s pre-iPhone era I was my parents were visiting and um I was sitting near this person. He looked very familiar. Then suddenly I realized, oh my God, that's Morrissey actually. And at that point I noticed like lots of people because because in London, when you see a celebrity, you try and play it cool. Like it's it's no biggie. Yeah. Um, anyway, somewhere there's an amazing photo of my parents in front. Cause I, what I did was I took a picture of my parents and then I just <laughs> angled it. So Morrissey was in the center. But what's great about this photo is that my parents are jet lagged. So they look bored as fuck. And then Morrissey's right behind them. And then I, I did not speak to him because, you know, I just thought that was obnoxious. Um, but 
several months later, I was in Chicago with my mom and she and I were in some sort of shop and they were playing a Smith song. And I went, mom, mom, that's Marcy. That's the guy that we, we saw. And she said, oh, is that him? Oh, he sounds so wimpy. Uh, it, was a, it was a very funny moment in that's my life. So anyway, Aww. there's a Sparks connection there. Um, lots of celeb, lots of big musicians have named this as a really important album for them. Obviously in the documentary, you've got the Duran Duran guys and you've got um, Vince Clark and Andrew Bell from Erasure talking about it. Bjork also has said it's one of her favorite albums. Um, one of the Sex Pistols, Steve Jones and someone from Red Hot Chili Peppers have also said this is a really um, important album for them. Weirdly, if you look on the internet and I have under you know, people who who say that Kimono My House was an influential album. Again and again, it comes up that Kurt Cobain said that he was a big fan of this album. But here's what I'm going to say. I can't find a single actual quote. <laughs> I can see a lot of people saying it, but my question is, did Kurt ever actually say it? So if you, dear listener, have the definitive proof as to whether or not Kurt Cobain uh, ever said anything about this album, please send it my way. It's all part of my my recent theory that like Sparks, they're actually time travelers and they, they weren't in the time stream until very recently. And then they just went back and put all their hits in there. And then you're like, wait, how, where'd these guys come from? How did I not know about them? It's There's part of me that wobbly. wonders. It's a wibbly wobbly thing. Part of me that wonders that. Anyway, that's <laughs> enough enough of a detour. Uh, oh, that's, any- that, no, that's awesome. So you mentioned um, that you really liked the end of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so not every song in this album fades out. A lot of them do, no. but, um, except for this, this town, um, falling in love with myself again at Quater and then lost and found, which you had, uh, I now understand, uh, barbecue and, and lost and found were not on the original album. They were released in 94. Yes. If I can be, um, learned music snob i'll be like oh you know those weren't actually on the original track listing those were added later it's too bad because they're both really catchy i know they really are they really are but and anyway but so so most of the other songs do have fade outs but i'd love this fade out too because um i i feel like they still highlight the guitar like you can still, like you were saying before, you really enjoyed the guitar part. And, um, you know, I was thinking like, if I were staging this, I would have like everybody leave the stage except for that guitar player. Cause it's almost what it sounds like when I listen yeah. to it is like everyone's slowly walking off, but the guitar is still getting highlighted. And it's a really, it's a really great. And, um, and that kind of end, like, it's just really wailing. Like, yeah. I, I feel like you could be at a good, a, you could be at a good time party listening to that. That's, that's my feel. Yeah. Like what you said, this is one of your favorite songs. Now I would guess it is one of your favorite songs because it's about SEX. Actually, that didn't even occur to me. Amy. Really? Ooh, oh my no, god! This, this whole time I thought that like, was one of the reasons why you liked it. Sparks after dark, but you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I feel like the lyrics on many of the songs, you can kind of see why this was a hit with the teeny boppers because they're all like all of the songs with the possible exception of equator are very and maybe falling in love with myself again they're all but i would actually include falling in love with myself again they're all real pop bangers you know and like again, many I of them with the pop part and we'll talk about why once we get to talent is an asset but rock oh. they rock to me they they rock those other songs rock and yeah, I, I feel like because like amateur hour is all about like learning how to do sex. And then you've got um, this town, which is about liking a girl on an airplane and then imagining you're a world war two pilot. And it's like totally random. But anyway, my point is there are a number of songs on this album that sort of deal with the whole girl meets boy, girl gets boy. What do we do? So you can absolutely see why the teens were into them like yeah. they they could relate and what's interesting about this album because it is so musically accomplished this album was very popular with uh teeny boppers but also critics and i would suspect and i i've seen a couple interviews i have a feeling that 
the lads were simultaneously they were obviously happy that their album was selling but they certainly wanted the critical accolades of course, of as well yeah. and and when your when your work becomes commercially successful the question of is it you know critically is, is it I don't know, quality art or something like that, particularly if it's liked by a bunch of 14 year old girls, um, that that will be called into question. But obviously, this album is a masterpiece. Like we can look at it now and see that's true. And by the way, please do remind me to share with you um, a Rolling Stone review of this at, when we get to the end of talking about this. So cool. yeah, there's a lot that I like about uh, I like about this song. And, you know, I talked last time about how I feel like this town you're coming in in the middle of the show and um this has to me a really like strong that open melody that are opening melody and what it's odd because it's really just a like i think so fa ti do or la so la ti do so la ti do but it be, the way it's played on the guitar and just because it's like those five notes in the scale, I think it has kind of that Asian, like an, a nod to Asian music to me a little bit. Huh. And I didn't hear it too. And maybe it's just because I was, because it's called Kimono My House. And it, but to me, that opening guitar rift, I think it's a really strong way to, to come, come out the door. And maybe I would never think that if, like I said, if it wasn't called Kimono My House. But um, every time I hear it, I kind of go like, ah, cool. <laughs> well I, I i do believe that foreign flair is on this album you yeah. know the whole like which is another reason i like it and and i will get into that particularly when we get to um one of my favorite tracks on the album hasta mañana monsieur but oh. i'm not that may be my favorite it may not be my favorite but it is definitely one of my all-time favorite spark songs for sure but we're jumping ahead i know it's hard not to so one of the things i really that really cracked me up because when i first heard uh, amateur hour i thought they were singing um like how do you know how do you know i didn't realize they're saying amateur hour amateur hour or whatever so obviously then I was like oh I should probably look at the lyrics and one of the things I really love with in the lyrics of the song are um they you know it's talking about this like becoming becoming a master of sex and you know becoming a master of the, the art of making love and turning pro exactly you're turning pro and they mention um it's a lot like playing violin you can't start yes. off and be uh yahundi mehuin now i was like well i don't know who the fuck that is but it it just really cracked up so then i went and looked him up of course and he was a violinist who's very well known for um doing recordings in the 40s and 50s uh and so i just loved that i loved that there was sort of that nod um to to classical music and i don't know why this made me laugh but in many ways uh as as musicians and as performers they have really perfected their art and you mentioned when you talked about seeing them live how uh meaningful it was what a great experience it must have been for the band to play with uh with both of the male brothers because of just they just have years and years of history and experience oh to, yeah for sure you know, to, to have and and so in many ways like they really are masters of their art and all masters say okay yes but you never stop learning or you never stop growing and i think we see that evidenced by them uh, over and over again which is super exciting that's how you become the master you never decide that you like you can be aware that you are a master but you never think that you are the master yeah I feel that way about teaching because I teach and I've been teaching a long time and I think I'm pretty decent, but I wouldn't, I would probably, I, I might call myself a master teacher in some regards, but I would never call myself the master and I would never feel like I've learned it all ever. Yeah. And I just, <laughs> so it kind of cracked me up because I was thinking about I, my, my nephew wanted to learn how to crochet. So I was teaching him how to crochet and he, he spent like 10 minutes and he did like a little row and he, he said, look, I've mastered it. And I was like, whoa, 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 young man. I mean, this was quite a while ago. Like, uh, no, 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 no. And then I was trying to explain to him, like, it's 
just because you can do something doesn't mean you're really a master at it because there's an aspect of mastery which means that even though you might think be thinking a little bit about technique you can just you can do it like i can kind of play a couple chords on the guitar i mean i can play like d a and g like easiest three chords um but i can't you know i i'm not my brother i would call a master at guitar he's been playing for 40 years he he doesn't think and he doesn't have to think about it like so yes. there's an aspect of mastery and so it just really cracks me up <laughs> in this song it's talking about like mastery of sex practice 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 <laughs> have you listened to um carnegie hall maybe not yet that's the I, whole song how do i get to carnegie hall practice, practice man practice yeah but this is talking about doing it <laughs> I know, but honestly, that's like the brilliance of Sparks, right? Like th this could be just a throwaway song about trying to get with girls, but no, we've got layers to this song. We've got violinists mentioned. We've got the hinterlands. Like it, it, yeah. it's never just a surface, like even a song, like even now a song like Home where the lyrics are very sparse, there is more going on than just my baby's taking me home. And th that, those seats were there back in 1974. By the way, Amy, fun fact, when I was uh, researching this album, I discovered that they started recording it in November 1973. And I liked that. I liked thinking, ah, well, little Amy and little Mel were eco babies. We were having the, the male brothers got started on an album that we would one day talk about. Or did they? Because they could have also just gone back into the time stream. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Thing. As we've talked before, the vo the vocals are great, and it, it's I'm constantly impressed with um, Russell Miles' ability to evenly sing across a wide range. And what I mean by that is that he can, in many ways, when he's singing a lower note and he's going up to a higher note, it sounds very consistent. So it's not like he's singing. Do re mi fa sol la ti do. You know he's not doing it like that. He's he's like the do re mi fa sol la ti do. It's it's like a smooth. It's smooth. He thinks about it. I I really think yeah. he thinks about the delivery he wants to have on any any song he does. He thinks about what he's doing with his voice and how yeah. that's going to be received by the listener. Yeah, and and it's very that, cool. That ability to have that like smooth quality. Let me just tell you, I spent hundreds of hours trying to do that as a singer because it you know sometimes to sing higher notes you want to put more air into it and sing it louder it took me a long time to understand and again this was kind of back to the mastery thing it took me a while to understand like well just because you can sing that high note and you can sing it loud doesn't mean you've mastered the way to sing that note that there's a real quality to lyrical singing by keeping kind of an even sound across especially such a broad range that he does so yeah. it's really fun and I, I the other thing I love about this song and I don't know why but I love that when he goes when he really punches up the um so choose your partners everyone <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fun little like oh that's, yeah all right that takes me to another place yeah no it, it's a, it's a great one it, it's great shall we move on to falling in love with myself Yes, and I hope you're ready for me to talk quite a bit about this one too, because I will say, I believe this is my favorite song on the album. Oh my now, God, it it's is... one of my least favorites on this album. This is going to be very interesting. I, I'm so glad you have a lot to say because I've skipped over it many times. It's not one of my favorites. It's sort of grown on me. I, I do find it an interesting song, but it's not for me. So I'm going to turn it over to you. All right. Um, let me just, sorry, I'm looking for the lyrics. Don't open. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and I, 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 this is a song I don't, I often forget that it's on this album until I listen to the album again. I'm like, oh yeah, I fucking like this one. And, and, I think here's why. So first of all, the frequently what we hear in their songs is they start off with a song that sounds like it's one genre or even one like different decade or 
period of time and then they'll quickly pivot to something else. Yes. So it, it's always that, um, I think one of our commenters called it like the sparks fake out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They, you know, that they, there's this great, like, ah, you thought we were going to do that, but we're not, we're doing this over here. And this, this beginning with the heavy, I think, tenor drums and that organ and it's not like a big or it's not like a church organ it's like the organ at the funeral home or the organ at your grandma's house you know <laughs> like it's that small uh 70s organ sound when I hear it like the first time I heard it, I was like is this like an arcade fire song like what decade are we uh -huh. interesting so I I just it takes like as soon as it starts it sounds like oh are we on like a, a haunted carousel <laughs> I was carousel? gonna say it sounds like a crazy circus to me you know it it's, it's a waltz but it's like a sort of crazy waltz yeah yeah it is and um so it, it, and then they pivot and to, the, to your point about it being a waltz it does it kind of, I think it goes into a six eight time whatever I'm not gonna get too into that but um <laughs> pretty bold too might I say hey we haven't had any hit albums let's do a a crazy waltz and see where that takes us pretty yeah bold. yeah right after we've been like on the merry-go-round from something wicked this way comes <laughs> we can't get <laughs> off of it we then have a hard cut to bavaria <laughs> yes wonderful like drinking song that's got a little bit of a hard edge to it um but i just love that nod to uh yeah, that, that like waltzing there. So it goes into the bridge where it goes like, I can't see with you in front of the mirror staring. staring. I like that bit. And then it goes like, I can't think, oh, I can't hear myself think with all that music blaring, blaring. Yes, I'm falling. Oh, so a guitar bass again if we were in a town in bavaria that would be like a trombone part and then you'd have like the tuba part it has this just waltzy joyous sound to me and plus i like to sing it as you can clearly hear though i don't think the crazy mind of ron mail think about it he put that together metal it's metal no. I'm trying not to get too drunk before I go out and drink more beer. So, mirror staring, staring. I can't hear myself think with all that music blaring, blaring. Yes, I'm falling. <laughs> You're giving falling, falling. Beautiful, beautiful. Such, uh, it, I, I enjoy this one, and it is one that I find myself humming to, to humming to myself afterwards. Huh. Well, they are the 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 masters of earworms. I have to say. Oh like, my God, that is such a good way of saying it. Yeah. Interesting, though. That is not your favorite. It is one of no. Mine. I almost wondered too, because it's such a slowdown on the album and I, it, it is like the beat is slower. Maybe it's, maybe it's because it's the waltz beat. It feels like the energy goes down on it. And I am kind of a high energy person. I do, I do find, I like a song that is a bit hard driving. So yeah. it's kind of like amateur hour is very hard driving by Absolutely. comparison. So amateur um, hour is definitely a faster tempo. You're, you're 100%. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad that you like it. And I, you know, once again, I, I do find it an interesting song. It just, it's, it's, it's really not my favorite. It, it could be my least favorite on the album, actually. Yeah. I, I would, again, love to stage it. You know, it's got that, as I've said many times, it's got that like theatrical um, point. And I think that if I were, if I were staging it, I don't think it would be my protagonist singing this. I think it would be my antagonist or what's the You're term for like a uh, uh, anti-hero? Anti-hero. Yeah, <laughs> that's the term. That's the I, feel term. Like, <laughs> I feel like that would maybe be the character that I would have singing this, but you know, anyway, so it's, it's fun too. 
play That's around. our next project is making um, just a, a musical, but we will probably need their permission at that point. <laughs> so, you know, what? Call us, call us, lads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm in Santa Monica. I am ready to meet for coffee. <laughs> we can hang. We can we can talk about art and movies and music and other music, not just yours. Although I might ask you a few questions about that too. <laughs> um, so now you, uh, when you read the Morrissey list here in heaven, which is the next song on the A side, was. Um, this was on his list and you said you would agree, but maybe not in that order. Not that, this is definitely one of my favorites. Actually, this is up at the top for me. I I love this, but you know what? I love a song that has actually slightly grim lyrics set to a pop beat. It's something that I have been a fan of for a long time. I don't know if you know the musician Julian Cope. Okay, so he had, I mean, he was in the Teardrop Explodes and then he did some solo stuff and he still probably does stuff. He, But anyway, he had an album that was like somewhat popular in the late 80s that I was a fan of called My Nation Underground. And there's a whole song on there that's very cheerful and it's really about fantasizing about being buried alive. So, you know, like, and I, I liked that song. So I would not call myself a goth in any way, but I do, I do love that juxtaposition between sort of dark lyrics and a pop beat. And that is all over this. Plus this is done in, I think it's a minor key. I think there is like a minor key in the background. I feel like this song is a great Halloween song. I would definitely put this on a Halloween mix. There's something I'm I'm not, I know there's, uh, yes, there's something that Ron's doing. I don't know what it is. I don't have the technical know-how to make it sound sort of creepy. And I really love that. Um, Like it has this like, that's it. There's sort of this like a haunting the way the guitars are set up, it's almost echoing sort of a type thing. Mm-hmm. So I love that. I also really love that the lyrics are simultaneously pretty funny. Like the whole description of heaven. And then basically, I guess it could be worse. Yes, I do suppose it could be worse. That's that's pretty darn good. But they're also a little bit creepy and morbid. Second thoughts, is that what you had? Second thoughts, first I broke my back. I mean, that's a little, yeah, that's a little creepy. But I, I, I like that. Yeah, I, 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 this is one of the songs that I, for, for whatever reason, I would actually call this one of my least favorite songs, not because Whoa, I don't, I mean, look at this. But, but like that is like saying it's my, I don't even know what to say. It's like saying it's my least favorite sparkling wine to drink. Like I like but to drink all sparkling wine. Well, know? exactly. That's kind of how I feel about falling in love with myself again. Yeah. You know, it's it's a great song. I, I recognize that. It's just not my favorite on the album. That's okay. Yeah. And I, I will say I, every time I hear this song though, I go like, oh yeah, that's so great. Now, when I read the lyrics, the story that I heard was that it was an alternative ending to Romeo and Juliet. Yes. Yeah, yes, right? Yes. Which I have to say, I, uh, you know, so in it, Romeo, you know, he drank the poison and Juliet, instead of stabbing herself, her survival instincts maybe maybe kicked in a little bit. I love that. That's so <laughs> that clever and cool. <laughs> like now she's just living her best life on earth as a 14 year old bride. <laughs> I love it. Actually, I, I totally love that. that. That's super clever. I can see why it got Morrissey's attention for sure. Yeah. Um, I love alternate endings. Like I will say, have you seen the movie Hamlet too? The Steve, it was um, oh, the guy who played Alan Partridge. Oh no, but oh, Steve Coogan. Yeah, Steve, call me. I, oh. <laughs> I think I'm just gonna say that anytime I mention any <laughs> famous person that I'd like to meet, call me Steve. Well, really, really, call me it, Steve. It's I won't get into too into it, but one of the things I, I was actually oddly, I found myself a little bit emotional watching it because it's similarly, he takes the end of Hamlet, but instead of like everybody dying, he kind of twists it up a little bit in his production of Hamlet too. And I remember at the time watching it thinking like, that's really touching. Like, what if, what if they didn't all die? Like, what if Hamlet got better? And what if like Ophelia didn't drown herself like like it had like this real hope to it and so I I really enjoy the fact that this song kind of goes the opposite well in the same way like Juliet she maybe was holding the dagger but was like I 
I want to live. <laughs> Although there is also that great, the great line in here. It's hell knowing that your health will keep you out of here for many, yeah. many years. That's awesome. To me, these are like just these are sparks witty lyrics they're kind of signature just coming through but i also just love the guitars on this i i feel like the guitars are just stellar i i love how one of the guitars has like a little bit of a wail to it and when they have the solo oh, yeah, they use the the uh what is that I can't, the pedal the wow Wow, yes wow, so wow, it's wow. very it, it's very 70s like mm -hmm. i do feel like this is one of the most wow. 70s tastic songs on the album but um that kind of reminds me a little bit of while my guitar gently weeps a little bit i mean it is quite different it's but the, it, it's got that i'm sure that some listener wah -wah pedal maybe yes yes yeah um, it's great and you know again like this this album has so many great guitar hero moments on it and i i'm I'm saying that a little bit tongue-in-cheek because we talked previously about, um, you know, this is still pretty early in the 70s, but a lot of the guitar work that I hear, it sounds like, oh, this is laying the groundwork for hard, for rock. This is laying the groundwork for hard rock in that time period. Yeah. Zeppelin, I, other I, bands, agree. they were laying, those, those musicians were laying the groundwork for what we now would just in our musical communal consciousness is like, yeah, that's rock guitar. Like that's a guitar hero guitar. And some of the bands, and we've talked about this before, some of the bands that I know they saw in Los Angeles, which they have talked about, which we've talked about, they saw early Led Zeppelin shows. So they would have seen some of that amazing Jimmy Page guitar playing. Um, they were big fans of that band Love. Do you know that band? They have that oh, song. Yeah. yeah, I only know like two songs. Uh, but again, you got some nice guitar yeah, in there too. That guy too. was a great guitar player. Yeah. Um, so they probably, you know, had picked up on this. To be honest, this actually, I think there, this is like the closest to when people say this is the glam rock album of Sparks, I can really feel that in this song. Yeah. There is something in this that sort of reminds me a little bit of um, Spiders from Mars uh the ziggy stardust and the aladdin sane with those guitars um so i really love that and then the other thing i really love is that the song actually kind of fades out on a much more positive guitar note i just love that sort of opening up of the song so yeah it's it's one of my favorites it's one of my absolute favorites on this album yeah so. I, I i do enjoy it and um i'm so glad we actually dug into it because now that i'm now that i'm done with my first can of wine <laughs> i'm at that tipsy point where i'm like that's right it's all fucking awesome because <laughs> it is so i you know i hope everyone who i, I hope the 10 people who listen to this uh, just appreciate like if if we're saying something that sounds critical it's it's only meant to be like analysis i love the music we both really love it and it's just melanie and i's brains work very differently which is a good thing <laughs> so i'm always very excited to hear like her take and my take and yeah and, but i think we both get really analytical when it comes to I and mean, that's kind of why we're doing this and we both as we said love talking about music i was actually thinking about this earlier this week amy because one of the things i was thinking about with this podcast was i want this to be something that is like an homage and a, a, a sign of respect to Ron and Russell Mayall and all the musicians who work for them. <laughs> I mean, because I, I think I said this to my mom, I was like, I don't want to be like leeching off them, you know, like, and what I mean, obviously, we would not have this podcast if it weren't for them, but it's because we really love their music and we find it so interesting. We just feel like there's so much we can talk about with this and again again i feel like we need more shows with women talking about music because i think we will talk about different stuff i mean again hashtag not all men hashtag not all women but our views to who who doesn't want to show with two white middle-aged ladies talking about things come on jabbering jabbering <laughs> <Deeper> jabbering <laughs> uh, and on that note let's move on to thank god it's not christmas Okay, so now we're going to talk about uh, Thank God It's Not Christmas. Yeah. Um, so 
for the rock nerds out there this is the last song on side one of the original release so if you got your vinyl you're gonna have to turn it over soon um but uh this is also one of my favorites on the album i really love that opening guitar riff which honestly that could be out today like i i feel like this could open up an indie song today easily oh my gosh yeah it really reminds me of um do you remember that strokes album is this it or this is it like they had a lot of hard driving guitars that that had a real similar beat but it does not this song at least from that opening does not sound like a song that came out in 1974 it sounds like a song that really could have come out yesterday and i also just love the concept once again of taking a christmas song and then being like thank god it's not christmas they could have gone all morbid like um prince's christmas song or you could just say thank god it's not christmas so yeah yeah i it is an amazing opening and i like your time travel theory because it it, it, no i just came up with it the other day it could be true it lays the groundwork for uh just so much music to come in the future and yeah it's it's gotta be you know when i hear this beginning and it's like um and then it goes back up the scale again one of the things i love is um you know when i listen to a lot of their music because it is so timeless i frequently you know, I like, I, I make these medleys like, oh, now I'm going to, it's going to go off into this song. And I, I feel like you can hear a little bit of like the King's Father Christmas. Like it could turn into that. It could turn into Slade singing like, it's Christmas. You know, it like, it just has that wonderful vibe. And then the vamping keyboards come in and it really sounds like we could go anywhere. We could be hanging up stockings or we could be talking about, thank God it's not Christmas. <laughs> Which is why it's an awesome Christmas yeah. song. And actually, just a fun fact for you all, um, Queen opened for Sparks in the early 70s, not actually before, I think when Sparks went to the UK, before they did Kimono My House, Queen opened for them. And um, later, as you may know, Queen wrote and recorded a Christmas song called Thank God It's Christmas. And I because I was listening to this album a lot around Christmas time. And I did think to myself, I wonder if they came up with a title because of the Sparks song. It's very possible. It's very possible because certainly Queen knew who Sparks was because they opened for them. So, and of course they would have been in the UK during the Sparks mania time. And I think we talked about this on a previous show brian may auditioned to be in their band they wanted him yeah. in the band so i don't know maybe maybe not but we know that they haven't it, it, it's funny that you say like you're like we're mentioning other bands it makes you think okay so they probably influenced this band and this one and this one you know you know yeah or or they were just so of the time the other thing uh that i really like about this opening and about the whole song is um we talked before about like the driving guitar and one of the things I really enjoy about piano is because is that piano can either be like a rhythm instrument, meaning that it is feeding into the beat and the tempo of the song, or it can be melodic, you know, it can be beautiful melodies. And this is a really driving, like vamping keyboards. And it's, mm. you know, I'm always impressed with keyboard players who can do this type of rhythm piano playing because you have to be very consistent. You have to be very consistent. You have to be able to do this in very evenly for long periods of time and I, like i'm tired just doing this <laughs> you know it, but it's it's done so well and it's done in a way that it, that it, it pushes the song forward and it gives it that like um really driving sound i, I love it well doing a repetitive a repetitive beat repeatedly for a long time a repetitive beat repeatedly you can tell that the sparkles you're gonna get some muscle <laughs> you're gonna get some muscle soreness I, I was actually just gonna say that seems straight up ron mills alley like yes i can hit a repetitive yes. beat for a really long time yeah he is yeah. the master of that the other thing i just want to say is that 
This is a great concept for a song. I mean, let's be honest, Christmas is a lot of work. It's infused with a huge amount of emotion. All this expectation, I honestly feel relieved when Christmas is over to some extent. Thank God it's not Christmas. <laughs> um, the other thing I will say is that Russell sounds great on this. This kind of comes back to this like, he's made a decision for how he wants to sound on this and he has like a very sort of sexy kind of thing going on with this if i were i, I love the it's like sort of reedy sort of sexy if i were a teen girl sex, yes yes it because you know it's it's a little bit lower it's a slightly lower in the range than some of the other songs on the album and yeah it has that like come here yes yes if i were a teen girl in 1974 listening to this I would definitely play this song again and again while staring at all of my pictures of young cutie pie Russell on the wall. Like you can just, you can see how the Sparks Mania came out of this album. Let's just yeah. put it that way. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think this is a really wonderful song. It, it, it is one of my favorites. It's not my favorite, but um, it is up there. So, uh, the, you know, this song has a lot of different little change-ups in it. That's probably not the right term, but um, when I was making some notes, it, like I said, we, I said it's pretty heavy on, you know, the, the kind of rhythm piano and it's got these great vocals, but there are still some of those great rock guitar moments. And I think I wrote down that yes. at about two minute 20, there's a great 15 second, like just guitar here a bit. And I want to read a comment from one of our commenters, um, uh, uh, Grufe. I don't know how to respond to the comment. I can't find it anymore. So my apologies. That we Maybe respond he deleted to it. it. Um, but what he, he kind of brought this up too, that, um, and I don't know if this is the part of the song that he was talking about, or he said, if, if you're going to go into music theory, I'd love to hear you talk about, thank God it's not Christmas, that a major scale slipping down into the F uh, Phrygian for the chorus, especially after the fake out going into the second verse is just brilliant. Um, I'm not sure that I'm quite that uh, knowledgeable with my music theory. I am definitely not. Talking I, about. I, I, I know the, the scale like that every good boy loves fudge or whatever it is, but I don't, or every not, good boy deserves fudge, but that's about it. I'm not going to correct you. I'm not going to correct you. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's been, you. It's been a while anyway so clearly there I think that this is one of those songs that there's lots of different lovely little moments because right after that like guitar hero moment um you've got like I wrote like you got kind of this like like soft shoe moment so there's just a lot of different things going on and I think that again I think it's one of the reasons why people are continuing to uh get excited about their music and, and really enjoy talking about it just because it's as I love Buddy Holly. I'm just gonna, I'm using it as an example. It's not your traditional A, B, A, B, you know, four, three or four chord song. It, it, to be fair to Buddy, way. I am convinced that had he lived, he would have done increasingly more complex pieces of music because he was really a talented musician. It's just, anyway, I'm using it. Sorry, not 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 his music, but but that. But I know what you mean it, it's quite simple, and actually, a lot of early rock and roll is very yeah. simple. Yeah, and this is like we said before. This is a a 25 year old rock. You know, rock has only been around for 25, 30 years, and it is stretching its wings I, I love the way you have phrased that well I mean you think like early 70s you're sort of coming out of the psychedelia vanilla fudge moving into a lot of but with, with hard drivey stuff yeah but with like Hendrix guitar and stuff yes they were laying the groundwork for then what's the movie with Michael J Fox and he goes back in time oh back to the back future, to the future right? <laughs> I just went. oh where where white Michael J Fox um teaches Chuck Berry one of his most famous songs yeah well, that's no movie, it's more yeah. like um you know he he it's more the to me it's the it's a good example of the part because he starts like some lead you know lead guitar and they're like yeah it's great but then he really he like jumps ahead 30 years Oh yeah, he does the whole like mega guitar solo, and yeah, and, and he's looking at him. They're like, "But your kids are gonna love it." 
yeah like they just haven't heard that yet and are they it it just hasn't made its way into the musical consciousness yet but it had made its way into our musical consciousness 30 you know four years later when the movie came out so anyway i don't know that's I'm going really no no that's really interesting there's actually um musicologists have done little studies on this about different sure. moments where music really changed i i don't know them all but definitely that sort of 1955 rock moment was one um i'm sure there was another oh i think disco was a, a another big one um and actually uh the mainstreaming of rap in the early 90s oh, yeah. which to me is kind of interesting because <coughs> i was born in 1973 so i was um 18 in 1991 and that's approximately when that that rap moment happened my older brother was born in 1972 he's one year older than me i like a lot more rap and hip-hop than he does now that could be just because i'm cooler you know but you like a lot but, more of that than i do and you always did you were always much more into it than i was well one of the things i like i mean i i do really like r&b but i also um i i love really clever lyrics which is another reason why i love sparks um and anything else you want to say about this one or shall no we... no it's a great ending to side b it's got um i, I think side the one. last thing i wrote was um that i really liked the ending of this song and again now that i know that's like the ending of side a because it kind of hits these final chords and the melody you know the instruments are going up in the scale and there's a, a final kind of cymbal crash yes and you expect it to actually keep going but it doesn't it's like a hard stop hard cut and uh that that's very thrilling it's as i said one of I think there's only a few songs on this album that have the the not don't use the fade out they have the hard stop and this is one of them and i think it's super effective yeah it's great it's a great ending track for side um side one of an album and in fact i want to get back to what we were talking about with these like the rock moving on to different things i i wonder if one of the factors was sort of the rise of fm radio because this was like a big thing you had AM radio, which was mostly pop stations. So for me, growing up in Chicago, WLS, when I was a kid, that was like your big uh, pop station. But this was sort of when FM started to become a thing. And one of the things that FM was known for was, first of all, as Steely Dan once said, no static at all. But no static at all. But anyway, um, it's a good one but the other thing it was really known for was this was where you could play these really deep cuts and these longer um tracks so hmm, just throwing that in there i like it but this is i mean is this an fm album or an am album i would say maybe both i don't know um i wasn't there <laughs> I'm, I, I feel like a lot of those FM songs are really long too. They're like these kind of long, like like Pink Floyd, like Dark Side of the Moon. That album is just made for seventies FM radio, really, except for maybe Money. <laughs> <laughs> well, what? Uh, because your dad was a radio DJ. He DJ That's right. FM radio. Oh, um, no, he was he was more rock radio, like kind of your singles, hit singles. Radio. And was it an AM station? I believe so. Um, I have a vague memory of calling him to request short people by Randy Newman. <laughs> oh my God, that's so cute. <laughs> it seemed really exciting. Like I didn't listen to the lyrics. I just knew it was about short people and I was a short person. So I was really excited. <laughs> love, way, ahead, way ahead of your time with the shorties. <laughs> you know, speaking of calling radios and requesting songs, um, I once called to request All the Young Dudes by Matt the Hoopa who also opened for Sparks, by the really? way. Yes, wow. they did. Um, I think in the Kimono era, but I'm not 100% sure about that, but maybe a couple of years after Kimono. But anyway, I didn't know that All the Young Dudes was by Matha Hoople. I thought it was by David Bowie. And I think I was like 12 or something like that. So I called our local radio station. I requested All the Young Dudes by David Bowie. There was a pause on the other end of the line <laughs> and the woman who was answered just went, how old are you? <laughs> because I think I also didn't know the title. I think I said I wanted to hear the Carrie the Ludes song. <laughs> oh my God, that would be such a great uh, satire. <laughs> that is a great song, but Carrie that is- uh, 
Okay, anyway. Okay, so we are going to take the needle off of our record <laughs> for now. Um, but we just want to say thank you so much for listening. We we love the comments we've got. Thank you so much to the people who've subscribed. If you like what we're doing, we'd love you to subscribe. If if you're not into that, that's fine. You can just listen or or not, whatever you want to do. We're we're cool with it. But uh keep keep on rocking. Keep, keep on, on rocking. enjoying that sparks. I'm gonna keep on rocking. <laughs> In the words of Dirk Diggler, I'm gonna keep on, I'm gonna keep on making films. I'm gonna keep on rocking. So. Oh, well, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you. I can't hear myself think with all that music blaring, blaring. Yes, I'm falling. Dirty, dirty, dirty. Dirty. Bo, 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 bo. <laughs> <laughs>